0: This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the show. Jeff and Eric with you. We have Bryson and Nick joining us here uh, on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast on what's turned into a little bit of a surprising week. Uh, uh, Especially in basketball terms, we'll talk about UCF basketball going to the NIT with a chance to do, to the Florida Gators, what the football team did also in the postseason—that is, beat them. A little bit of a surprise. We'll talk about how much of a surprise it is with Eric in a little bit. We've also got some baseball and softball news and a little bit of track to catch you up on uh, as well. This will be a pretty short show, so a reminder to follow us at UCFBanner underscore SBN on Twitter. Uh, as well as our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube channels as well. So let's go ahead and uh, dive right in, boys. Eric. So, uh, you know, we come off the heels of the both basketball teams going one and one in the American Athletic Conference uh, tournaments. Of course, the women uh, didn't get, you know, got the, obviously that's victory. in there's a little bit of an upset in the first round and lost in the second. We went to the men uh they lost to who would be the eventual champions in Memphis um which is another story in and of itself uh, we can talk about seating all you want but we went into a selection Sunday thinking mm, this is probably it for UCF men's basketball they were you know in the hunt for an NIT bid may have had too many losses to bad to bad teams that might keep them out of the postseason then all of a sudden they pop up in the nit as a five seed playing the fourth seeded florida gators wednesday night 7 p.m espn 2 ucf at florida um officially and i know everyone's going to come at me about this but officially ucf has never beaten florida unofficially ucf has beaten florida once and that was in 2010 at the amway center Of course, remember the sanctions on the UCF basketball program that dropped two years after that actually um, wiped that victory. But, of course, I think that's stupid, and so do a lot of other people. We watched the game. Um, It happened. It's not like it didn't. Um, But, nonetheless, this is a chance to do, like we said, what the football team did in the Gasparilla Bowl, and that is beat Florida in the state of Florida – in the postseason eric uh give me some insight here how did this all go down and uh how much of a surprise was it that ucf saw their name come up in the nit bracket
1: it's very surprising i mean
0: you know i'll give our buddy noah Goldberg
1: credit he was the one that's like hey I, you know can we have a shot and i'm like you know you never say never because the NI, the nit is unpredictable because first of all it's a 32 team field it's not easy to get into and then One of the criterias is if a team that won the conference regular season title in a one-bid league does not win the conference tournament, they get an automatic bid Mm -hmm. to the NIT, which I think is a nice gesture. I like that. So you you don't have 32 spots. You probably usually have – I don't know what the number ended up this year. was like 23, 24 spots maybe. I don't know. So there's a lot of things. The other thing the NITs does is they go based on net rankings. Uh, Now, this is where – the nit bracketologists kind of missed this. This is where we all missed this, and I, I take—I'm talking about myself because uh, I missed this. When I looked at the net rankings for UCF prior to the American Conference rank uh, tournament starting, UCF was in the 90s. They were 93, I believe. You're not getting into the nit with a 93 nit. What I failed to do was check the nit the uh, the net rankings as of this weekend. UCF jumped 22 spots to 71
0: they moved how, up how did that happen was in memphis so what well, I, I, I it had to have been by virtue of memphis beating beating houston because they jumped up Me- quite a bit memphis jumped up
1: big which helped ucf because ucf has that win over memphis also oklahoma state jumped in the nets a little bit which jumped them from a quad two win to a quad one win which helps ucf because they beat oak state plus right. i think i think the south florida losses was upgraded from a quad four
0: to a quad three this is all like dorky that's true true. no you're but you're right about that but that matters that 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 ended up mattering that contributed to them
1: moving up to 71 which put them now on the realm for the nit you add a few teams like dayton and north carolina didn't get in but they got in they got in as a five i think it also helped that florida's in the nit as well because if you notice the nit bracket they do try to put geography Together, kind of like the Olympic sports. So Florida playing UCF
0: is let's, a nice. Let's match. be fair. It's not that North Carolina didn't get in. It's that they chose not to go. Well, and that's fine. That's <laughs> the right. But and, and, but, but, no. but I, yeah. But but I think a lot of fans were like, oh, we 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 sh- we should send. Somebody said like, oh, we should send North Carolina flowers because they got No, Actually, that's not the case. That's not, that's not the, the case. case, right? Because sure. there were other teams that had a lower net than UCF that did get in.
1: Correct. UCF would have been in. I we missed a bow. We didn't check back the net rate, and it's tricky. It's a tricky thing because it changes every day, and you don't. You know, it's hard to keep track of the projections. And I think we all did. Drew did. We all think followed the NIT bracketologists, and they didn't have UCF in the picture. And I think we just kind of checked out after a while. So uh let let, let's make a note of this as we move into the big 12 to check the net rankings every day and make sure (laughs) there's not a big jump seriously because this will not be the last time we probably discuss this in the big 12 so when you look at it from that standpoint you know and i think you saw you found i give you credit you found someone that actually had ucf in the nit right i think it was Uh, drew that
0: found that guy
1: one of you two found that you
0: or no it wasn't me
1: and that sort of, you know, and I remember I tuned in at the first five minutes just to see, all right, let me check it out. Let me see what's going on. And then I see UCF pop up. And I'm like, holy bleep, <laughs> they got in. Uh, and I was really happy. I'm happy to be wrong. I'm happy that they got in because I think those players and the coaches deserve to get to the postseason. I mean, we want to get into what an NIT means. We could get into that. I think it's, uh, I'm really happy for those guys. They deserve to get a postseason bid. They had a lot of things go against them this year Uh, from an injury standpoint, even from a resume standpoint, you know, Florida state, which in October looked like a great win November, when we beat them at night, it's a great win. It turned out to be a quad four win. Like even the wins, they didn't get good luck. Even their best win of the year against Memphis in double overtime. They probably, it probably hurt them long moving forward because they probably lost to Tulane, I think like 48 hours later or something like that. So I'm just happy they get to go to a postseason. I do think that's important for this program. I said this. We both said this in October, November when the season started. To me, for this program, if you make it a postseason, NCAA, great. But if you make the NIT, that's the goal. That's success. And I think the I'm happy for these guys. They earned it. I don't think they were given anything.
0: Right. Um, this is UCF's third-ever trip to the NIT Third trip to the postseason in seven years under uh, Johnny Dawkins. Of course, remember the last time UCF was in the NIT, 2017, they beat Colorado. They won at the one seed, Illinois State, and then beat Illinois at UCF in the most attended game in – addition financial arena history we were there eric right we were there i think i think people cared about the nit
1: you know some people trying to dismiss the nit uh clearly uh, people cared that year I well that. well they
0: well they cared because uh because of two things i i think number one big opponent number two a trip to M- msg was on line correct that was fun and you know that and that was that, was that we, we knew that that would be the last hurrah no matter what win or lose Last UCF with, yeah. yeah, it was the, it was the last home game, so you know, and, and we ha- and there was something at stake, something that UCF hadn't done at oh. stake before. And it's one of the greatest moments on campus. When you
1: think of on-campus UCF athletic moments, and I tweeted this out on Monday. To me, my personal top five, in no particular order, the Mike Hughes kick return against South Florida. I mean, if you were in that building, you you know what I'm talking about. That thing was electric. Mm-hmm. Even watching it on TV was electric. The Trey Neal interception to beat Memphis that got him to the Peach Bowl.
0: The following week.
1: Two, right? Those two. Hosting college game day uh, was significant for the university on campus. You and I were there, Jeff, for that. Softball, obviously, winning the regional last year. Hosting it and winning it was significant. And that moment, you just mentioned, the Illinois win. Remember? Storming the court. I'll never yeah. forget. Johnny Dawkins has got the apple. And he's speaking to this crowd around him on the court, saying, we're going to New York. I still get chills about that. And uh, it was a special moment. So I always have positive uh, uh, memories of the NIT. And uh, I'm glad, like I said, that's my top five. And I think for them to get to the NIT for this program, I think is an accomplishment. Uh, And and I'm excited to see what happens. Who knows what's going to happen? They'll play Florida, which obviously adds a little juice to it. Because uh, these two teams, what, you mentioned the whole NCAA thing, which we'll get into down the road, like, how silly it is. And what if the NCAA actually disappeared? Does those records come back? Like, what, can we bring it back? Like, I don't well, even know.
0: Um, I mean, that, that, that goes way far afield into, like, NCAA administer penalties probably. Sure. But, but I, I wanted to get these while, numbers. Right? Well, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about the Gators. So this is UCF and UF's first meeting in men's basketball since 2011 at the o'connell center um which at the time let's lest we forget ucf was still two years from joining (laughs) what was then at that time the big east is now the american ucf hasn't played florida since joining the american and now we have the chance to play them in our in one of our final games before going to the big 12 um about Florida, I wanted to go into that for a little bit too, Eric. Because let's let's actually talk about this game. Um, Gators finished sixteen and sixteen, right in the middle of the SEC. Nine and nine. Um, they've lost seven of their last ten. Uh, they lost in overtime in their first game of the SEC tournament to Mississippi State. And our friend Matt Dunaway. Um, the uh, Florida went to the NIT last year, went one and one. They lost to Xavier in the second round. Um, They are under a first-year head coach, Todd Golden, who came over from the real USF, which is the University of San Francisco. Uh, And they lost their best player in Colin Castleton, who broke his hand against Ole Miss. Uh, This guy is a Michigan transfer, Uh, and uh, he's their leading scorer and rebounder, and he won't be available. So, um, it's funny, we... (laughs) I have a uh,
1: storyline last year with the women's with the women's NCAA game between Florida and UCF wasn't
0: <laughs> uh, yeah it was also the storyline of the football game too and Ryan, Ur, uh, Ryan Urquhart, from uh, oh boy, yeah, yeah. Who, who does uh, uh, Florida softball on ESPN plus was is like oh what a coincidence yet again Florida plays UCF without their best player in another sport but whatever Ryan Crimea River um, this game will be on on national TV ESPN, ESPN two. Two. I too. I think this is this could be and I, I gotta give credit to espn um for setting up this matchup because this could be a real intense game you know when when you know i can see you know this thing getting i don't want to get i don't want to say chippy but there's as we know there's something personal now between ucf and uf and it's for real and uh yeah, I, I, I mean, I think this could be a real. This could make for a good environment if you're, if you're going to be in the NIT, right? And you're not going to be in the NCAA tournament. This is the kind of game that people are going to tune in to watch. I, I agree. Think. I agree. I mean, why not? I mean, you,
1: you it, first of all, I mean, the fact that it's 12 years since UCF Florida played in men's basketball is just to me, it's been wrong. I mean, basketball. Now, put it in context. There was years there were Mike White. Was the head coach for Florida? His brother was Danny White, and Danny White even acknowledged he didn't want to play his brother. Like that—that's just family. So I mean, that's that, fair. That's some that's of that. Fair. Can, let, let's be fair about that. But look, uh, Todd Golden's the first year head coach. As you mentioned, Florida. It was interesting. I read where I think Florida wanted to play the NIT because they want to keep this postseason streak going. I guess with their basketball team between NCAA's and NIT, uh, which I think is smart. It makes sense. Um, I think it's a fun matchup. Obviously, ESPN agrees because they put it on a marquee slot Wednesday night, ESPN 2. So uh, they feel pretty good about it. Colin Castleton is the kid that you talk, you know, the land Florida fifth year. Good big 16. It's uh, average of 16.7 boards, 6'11", 250. Could be matched up with Taylor Hendricks. I think, by the way, Taylor Hendricks and well, John No, he, he, won't can... be, he won't be
0: matched up because he's out. Would have been. Uh, that's what I meant. Would have been, been, yeah, yeah.
1: been a fun matchup. I probably misspoke there. Uh, does that, that's going to be interesting. Who replaces that production from him? You got obviously guys like Will Richard and company. I mean, Florida was up and down, so uh, we'll see how they rally to this game. But it's a fun matchup, and you know we'll see what happens. The winner plays, I guess, Oregon or U C Irvine. Correct. Which plays tips off at about eleven o'clock that night. If U C F were to beat Florida, then you become you probably become big U C F Irvine fans because I think U C F would host
0: in that scenario. I, I mean, we I don't. I right? I, I would believe that would be the case. Because uh, Irvine's
1: cause, uh, net's way lower.
0: Yeah, because uh, well, and also, and also, the you know, it, it goes to the low. The the host is the lower seed, unless the higher seed for whatever reason can't host. Interestingly enough, that's what happened when UCF played Illinois because right. Illinois was the two seed, but for whatever reason, I can't remember what they couldn't host the game in Champaign, so UCF ended up hosting it. And it worked out to their benefit because UCF won by. We appreciated that. Thank you. Yeah, we we want to thank uh, Bruce Weber at the time in Illinois for that. Um, the uh, by the way, there is a line for the game already. Florida's favored uh. by three, according to DraftKings Sports. <laughs> <That's> sports. Pretty <laughs> funny. That's pretty
1: funny. Uh, it's a good matchup. Right, we'll That's see what right. happens. What's funny, and we'll see how this goes. We'll see the matchup now. As we record this, Johnny Dawkins will have a media availability on Tuesday. Hmm. Uh, so we'll probably get some more details. For example, on the news that Jalen Young, I guess, entered the transfer uh, portal, correct? Which kind of makes it a little awkward. Uh, we'll see if he's allowed to play. Won't play because I don't know well, how yeah, the rules work
0: on that. I don't. I mean, well, he, kinda... he's he's he hasn't. I mean, he, you can announce that you are entering the transfer portal, but not necessarily enter. But he's. But he. It, yeah the the date is not actually you know, he's, it, it doesn't, it's it's like, it's not open yet. Right. So in theory, if Jalen Young, just, it, it you know, a wanted to and B coach Dawkins and the coaches were okay with it, he could still play. I wonder if he made that announcement thinking that we wouldn't be in the end. Correct. I definitely would. I like to think that was a factor, which is pretty
1: funny. And I'm which, using,
0: we'll, we'll see. Which, you know, but, but, I mean, you know, which is, a bar, but, but Jalen's also a senior. I think, I think his undergraduate eligibility is up. So he's, so he's looking to play elsewhere as a, to get his master's degree, which, which is cool. I, and, and no hard feelings toward him at all. Um, because he, he I thought he was fantastic for, for stretches this year as, as the backup point guard and really carried us, I think early in the season when DJ was hurt. Um, Eric, uh, uh, Bryson does did want to mention that, uh, Florida still has all freshman SEC selection Riley Kugel. I think is from Dr. Phillips, if I'm not mistaken, uh, from, from Dr. Phillips High School. Um, so a little bit of a local flavor. This is this is uh, yeah, this is this is about as interesting a matchup as there is. In, I think actually, I think it is the most interesting. Well, I was looking at well, all, all yeah. 16 first round games. That's some, this is the most interesting one. And now let me ask you this though before we move on. Yeah, UCF right now, 18 and 14, Eric, two wins from 20. They would have to, you know, get to the round of eight in order to hit 20 wins. Um, you know, I, I always, I'm kind of old school. I think winning 20 games matters. Um, but what do you think the narrative is going to be? Um, d- does this selection change the narrative? Does the result against Florida change the narrative because i because i'll tell you the truth like i think back to that gasparilla bowl i know it's football it's different than men's basketball but um that win over florida changed the zeitgeist around UCF football heading into that off season does the same apply here i think regardless of the result this
1: is a successful season
0: you may i agree with you but You know, not everyone agrees with us, as we both know. Well,
1: it goes back to how you feel about the NIT. But my argument is, here's my argument. For those that like the bowl game system, that likes the bowl games, like the Gasparillas, the uh, what bowl game we played again this year? Military? Whatever. Um, If you like those bowl games, you better like the NIT. What I don't like are the people that love these bowl games but trash the NIT. Because to me, they're the same. They're postseason games. Uh, Do we probably put too much stock in it? Probably sometimes we do. I, I do agree with that. Uh, but I don't like the people that are critical of the NIT that are big bowl fans. You can't be both. In my opinion, either you like both or you don't that's where I stand on that uh, for this program, different than football. I think I said this to make it in a post tournament of any kind NIT. I want to say specifically NIT NCAA. I don't like the CBI. I didn't like that we had to pay that one year. Well, I guess it doesn't count anymore according to the NCAA. We never did join the CBI, did we? Did we? Did we count that? I don't even know. Whatever the NCAA thinks.
0: I was um, listen. I was I was there. I was underneath the basket running a camera. The yeah. games happen. Trust me. Anyway, no,
1: no. But what I'm saying, I don't like the CBI because you actually literally have to pay to get in, like, right? Basically- it, and that's but that's one that's actually held in Daytona, right? Now it's held in Daytona. By yeah, way, they the held, held it all
0: across like five days in in Daytona, which is one wild. thing. By
1: the way, the NIT Final Four is no longer at Madison Square Garden. It's now Correct. in Las Vegas. Right. Hey.
0: Well, they um, the, well, you know what they did? They they started putting it out for bids now. Yes. just like just like cuz as tradition like you said since by the way I can't even believe this when I looked it up since 1938 the NIT's been held in Madison it's Square a Garden and this is tournament. the first right. and this is the first year it actually predates the NCAA tournament correct uh and is now uh it, it's going to be in Las Vegas this year I think I forget it's somewhere else. somewhere else I think in other places right they'll uh, rotate, so it's, like- it's somewhere else deck i think it goes out for bids it's, it's a bummer because it's not like oh we're gonna go to the garden well actually no we're not but uh but no, i don't think it, yeah Ve- a trip so to I, vegas ain't bad
1: <laughs> so i think this makes it a good season which I, I think it's a good season to make the nit if they beat florida then i'll make this claim that i think men's basketball actually had a better season of football if they beat florida Ooh. That's my claim. That's a
0: hot take. Thank you. I'm not going to lie. That's
1: why I wanted that is, Kyle here. I was ready to punch. That is a punch.
0: flaming hot take. Thank you.
1: Bro, I, I might write All about right. that. I might actually write about that if we win. I might well,
0: that. we'll find out Wednesday, uh, 7 p.m. Uh, on, on the court. Too.
1: Let's get into on the court. We haven't talked, in, uh, obviously, the conference tournament and moving forward. because I do think this is a factor. CJ Kelly was fantastic in the conference tournament. And I thought oh, what was. In, was interesting was especially in the second half of the games, you saw that the offense was starting to be run through with C.J. Kelly, not Darius Johnson. Kelly, who came in as really a two-guard, and Johnny Dawkins even told said in the postgame, you know, told me throughout the season they want him to be run as a point and as a two, be more of a combo guard. That paid off for them. They don't mm-hmm. win the SMU game without C.J. Kelly running the offense in the second half. And I thought he kept them in the game. So I wanna, I'm want i really the happiest for him. That guy deserves to play in a postseason game. And I'm curious in the Florida game, you know, if Darius gets off to a slow start like he did against Memphis where he turned the ball over and struggled, do we see that continuation with C.J. Kelly maybe running the point, running the offense against Florida, especially with the Jalen Young situation? So that's something to look for on the court. And also UCF, which, you know, can they defend rebounding? I thought – you know, in the first SMU game, they did not come out ready to in the in the glass. They got beat up in the first half. Since then, they did a nice job in the glass. The Memphis game, they just ran into two red hot players. Uh, that was a high level performance by those guys, and they proved it uh, by winning the conference title against Houston. Yeah. So, those are Houston, couple- I thought they
0: beat Houston rather handily too. They I, did. Houston uh, had no uh, answer. Davis
1: and Williams are two fantastic players. Uh, me and Kyle debate about this, and again, he's not here to defend himself. He thought UCF didn't defend as well against Memphis. I just give credit to the players. I thought Williams and and Davis were fantastic.
0: I think they had an indefensible night. I think that's I what was, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, yeah. There are some nights, and and like I hear, you know, I I saw everything on social media. Everyone was like, "Why do we make an adjustment?" I'm like, "We were making adjustments. It wasn't going to matter." The there but, are nights in basketball where a, a guy or two guys they are going to – if they decide they're going to own you, they're going to own you. It's kind of – you know, we used to hear this all the time with Jordan, right? Like, you know, what you – know, and and I'm not saying Kendrick Davis is Michael Jordan, but he had a Jordan-esque night that night against us um, where we just weren't going to stop him.
1: And they make big shots, too. Every time UCF came in, it was a really yep. high, entertaining game. Give him credit. I tipped my cap to them uh, on that, and Memphis deserved the game. So those are a couple yep. things to watch in this game. And Taylor Hendricks, who had a tough night against Memphis – you know, gets another game. I'm curious another how it comes out yep. against Florida. So that's sort of some of the things on the court to watch uh, Wednesday night here against Florida. Yeah,
0: and, I, and a point about C.J. Kelly, I think what you saw, and, and you know, coaches have talked to me, and I'm sure they've talked to you about the same thing. There's something about a conference tournament, you know, where you can – where suddenly, you, you know, older uh, – seniors especially are confronted in a very real way with their sports – mortality, if you will um, and the real the real seniors who have like we like to say that dog in them, like CJ does, I think, turn it up another level or two or five. And I think we saw that with CJ. and that's a good thing about the NIT because you know now all of a sudden you know sometimes the se- the season when if it ends in the conference tournament, it's so final, that you suddenly realize that oh my god you know the younger guys I think are like oh my god the season's already over well now you get another shot right it's like you get an extra it's like you get a continue in a video game right. and what kind of you know now what are those young guys gonna do to try and extend the basketball careers of those seniors CJ Kelly Michael Durr etc I think that's that's worth you know that that's I would like to see that from our team. I have no reason to suspect that we won't see that, but um, that's going to be one of the key things to see on Wednesday, 7 p.m. ESPN2. Do we know who's uh, calling that game yet, Eric, or no? Don't know that yet. I'll tweet it out as soon as I find out. Oklahoma
1: State, the number one overall seed, I believe, in the NIT2, by the way, uh, from the Big 12. So who knows? Maybe –
0: get a rematch Cincinnati's in in the uh, NIT Cincinnati's in
1: it's interesting some people wondering you know did that help the fact that those teams are going to the big 12 did that help them there no I don't think so I think this was more net rank although Cincinnati was weird it (laughs) it hurts Wes Miller first came out said we weren't going to play in the NIT and then I guess they are so
0: well there you are
1: hey Um, again I think this is cool let's have fun with it don't try to it. Let's watch, see what happens in the game, and I'm just happy they made the postseason, which is something we don't get often in men's basketball historically. All right?
0: Yeah. Uh, And hey, listen, whatever happened, I don't care. I don't even care whatever happens after that. We beat Florida. You know, uh, (laughs) I'm sticking to my hot
1: take. If they beat Florida, it's a better season than football.
0: Yeah, I I mean, it's you beat Florida, you can brag all you want. You know, in fact, if they beat Florida,
1: if they beat Florida, you can argue it's similar, basically, to the year one of football with Gus when they beat Florida. It's yeah. a very similar storyline. Very similar.
0: Hey, you beat Florida in basketball. Emily Bannister, this one goes out to you. <laughs> right. Update the background. Wow. Update the background. I'll do it. Hey, why not? So, all right. Um, you know, we talked about, I wanted to touch upon women's basketball real quick as we finish up. Uh, they lost to Memphis to close out uh, their season in the NCAA. Obviously they're not going to the NIT. Um, but let's kind of put a early triage on the season right now, Eric. You know, they finished, uh, it, it, it was such a difficult year considering, you know, it, it was almost like snake pit from the start with all the players who left. 14 and 15, final record, 4 and 11 in the league. Um, won three of their final five uh, and won a game in the conference tournament, which uh, against Tulsa, which, you know, they were the 10th, Tulsa was the seven. That counts as an upset. Beat them by 16 points. Um, had a shot against Memphis. Did everything they needed to defensively in order to get the job done, but just came up short. 48 Forty-eight, forty-six. In the end, what's what's the final analysis? Or, or I say, the, I would, let me say the triage right now for UCF women's basketball. As you know, it, it, yeah, I mean, let's let's be honest with you. It's a it's a fall from grace compared to the previous season, but given all the changes that happened. I think, and this is my personal opinion, to rally and get a postseason win in the conference tournament, even though it's the one win. You know, you hang on to the positives that you can from a season from a season like this one. And they had they had their share of injuries, no doubt. Chemistry issues that they were working for a lot of new faces getting together. But if you're TMS, or I think you hang your hat on that postseason win, you say, "Hey, look, at least we can." We have some foundation on which to build here, no?
1: Well, remains to be seen. We got to see how the roster will look like next season. They're, you know, we're, we spent a ton of time talking about the men's basketball in the future and how they're going to compete in the Big Twelve and finances and and, and resources and all that. Women's basketball has got the same problem, Jeff. let's not act like
0: they have they have have even larger problems in that respect
1: Uh, right so I think that's the bigger picture more so than what this short-term year is uh from that standpoint you know I mentioned the conference tournament the thing that kind of hurts there is you had a double-digit lead against Memphis you hold on to that game you're in the semis against East Carolina in a tournament that became wide open when South Florida went one and done So that right. stings a little bit, but the Memphis game in a lot of ways was kind of the story of the season, right? You saw yeah. some promise, had a lee, couldn't hold it, et cetera, but, you know. And then an ECU goes on and wins the whole thing. And then ECU wins the big, you know, to them. They were picked last, by the way, in the preseason poll. Go <laughs> figure. But I think the bigger story for women's basketball, I think goes beyond just this year, is what are they going to do in the Big 12? What is that going to be? That's going to be a hard transition for them, too. So what is that roster going to look like a big 12? that's still going to be very strong, but still going to have Oklahoma and Texas who are the co big 12 champions for at least another year. You got the Baylors of the world. uh, You got Texas tech. So it's a, you're going from a league that was a eighth, ninth, 10th conference to the top four conference in women's basketball. So what are the challenges for Cynthia Messer who knows that league? Obviously, can you get those right players? Can you compete? How long does it take before you adjust to that big 12? I think there are similar questions to women's basketball than the men's side. We just haven't talked about it enough. And I mean, I know that you guys are, we're, we're trying to see if we'll make get coach Messer down the road. I'm sure those are questions that Kyle I know has for coach. Um, so I'm, that's to me, my thing is moving. How is the outlook in the big 12 with what kind of players they could probably be a little young too. They're probably going to, lose some players for various reasons on the roster. Cause that's just the way college athletics is today. So obviously have a players coming in, but you're going into a really a, a different level of a conference in basketball. That's the big question.
0: Yeah. I, it's they, to me have the biggest mystery kind of surrounding them. That's right now. Maybe out of it, maybe out of any program, I agree into to the big 12. Yeah. It's like, we don't really know what's going to happen there. Um, you know, and like you said, you know, now we're going to be entering into transfer portal season. We don't know what's going to happen there. Um, the recruiting, obviously, the indications that we've been getting from Coach Messers that she's bringing in some serious players. Um, you know, but, you know, but but again, it's, you know, I don't think you'd ever hear from a coach that like, nah, recruiting's not going so well, you know what I mean? <laughs> like- right, uh, well, I'm curious from her <laughs> standpoint...
1: <laughs> I'm wondering from her when she reflect, when she takes a step. back. Could,
0: could you imagine? By the way, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but could you imagine? Yeah. By the way, any head coach, like if any head coach in any sport, if we asked them about recruiting, they'd be like, uh, you know, it's a rough year out there. We're we're not we're not really recruiting. we will do we'll do, we'll do better. Yeah, we'll do better next year. We'll do better that, next. That'd
1: be year. a first. year. That would be a first. Everybody's <laughs> a great recruiter. Could you imagine? It would be a little different. I'm not sure they would be lasting as a coach, probably. But that's you know who knows.
0: Um. <laughs> They I do would, they would, just based on the honesty. It'd be <laughs> great great anyway.
1: It would be refreshing. <laughs> uh, but I do wonder when she takes a step back this season, this offseason, what she will think about her first year. Because remember, this was her first year as a head coach in a while. I mm-hmm. know she was a head coach before, but she had been an assistant under Kim Bulkey for a while. Uh, I'm curious how she felt about herself as a first-year head coach and what adjustments does she make in year two – from her stealth uh because every coach does that in their first year uh i'll use sydney Ball Malone as an example she you know she did certain things in the first year and she reflected on it. i was like you know i let me just do this differently in year two i think mm-hmm. every coach is like that so i'll be curious mm-hmm. as she reflects on this year what she will look internally and say you know what could i what did i learn from this and handling all the stuff that i had to handle and what areas do i can i improve as well as bringing in players, but what can I do? What can our staff do also? What did we learn? Because this was their first year together. So I think that's a big, interesting plot line uh, for them moving forward as well.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that, you know, you and I like to talk about a lot is like, what is a team's identity? Yeah. And the one thing that I thought was really encouraging about the team, especially later on in the year, was they rebound, man. they were actually one of the top schools in the nation in rebounding. I want to, I'll double check the stats on that, but like we talk all the time about the importance of rebounding in, in you know in in both sides of the basketball like you don't rebound, you don't win. Um, this team did rebound the ball extraordinarily well. The, the, the problem was offensively, They just really couldn't make shots, uh, especially when they needed to. This year, they were – I got the number right here. They were – where was the rebounding numbers? It was right – I had it there for a second. Oh, ninth in the country in rebounds per game. Eleventh in the country in offensive rebounds per game. Eighteenth in the country in field goal percentage defense. They held opponents to 36%. That is where you can build an identity, no? Could be. I mean, Houston's done that
1: on the men's side. But you mentioned you make a good point. They they struggled to shoot the ball. And I thought the times they were undisciplined in some of their shooting, the three-point shot. I'm like, you know, why not go inside more when you have some – you know, it's like a Destiny Thomas and things like that. So – uh,
0: but that, but that, I, I think that's, that's hard to do under a first year coach, right? Learning. That's
1: And that's my point. That's part of the learning curve, right? The transition there, like the third quarters, they struggled a lot in the third quarters. What went into that? They'll evaluate that throughout the off season uh, from that standpoint. So that, that is part of it. I think she, and I, you know, I think she would like to tell you that that's part of it, being the glass being physical and you're going to have to do that when you get into the big 12, that's yeah. probably, she knows that as well as anybody.
0: Yeah, and you talk about offensive field goal. We talk about defensive field goal percentage. Um, you see up being uh God, I had it there. Oh yeah, 18th in the country. Well, offensive field goal percentage, they were 342nd. 34%. And it's not gonna get it done. But nope. again, that comes, you know, learning where and how good shots can be taken, that takes time. And that takes uh that 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 just takes reps. And we're hoping to see a lot more reps in the future uh, for this team. But at least they've established their defensive identity, and they've established their rebounding identity, and that's key. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll bring in Bryson and Nick, and they're going to talk. And we're going to talk a little baseball, we're going to talk a little softball, and a little track news. Raniah Jones at the indoor nationals of the NCAA, how did she fare? And a few more things uh, to pick up as well. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is the Black and Gold Panera Podcast. We're back here on the Black and Gold Banner at Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, alongside Nick Porcelli now, and Bryson Turner joining us on the show. And we're going to talk, uh, first of all, UCF softball. uh, Eric Lopez, let's get an update from you on where this team is right now. And Nick, you were there too as well. Um, RPI right now is 68, not ideal, uh, considering how... Um, although they have won five in a row this week, after that three nothing loss to Florida back uh, five days ago, two wins over Toledo, two wins over Kennesaw State, one win over North Dakota. Only one of those games that they give up more than one run. Two shutouts were worked into that. And Eric Lopez, I'm looking at this team right now. They are real trouble on the base paths for opponents. They're 25th in the country in triples per game. That tells me have a, that tells me speed. They're, uh, they're Even though they don't steal a lot of bases, um, we know that when they put the ball into play. They're a problem. And I think that did we sort anything out this week that needed sorting out, especially I know you've talked a lot about in the past, the pitching staff. Are we well, going to talk a lot of pitch. we're going to talk a lot of pitching with both teams with the uh, bat and ball? because That's going to be a big concern. Well, well, that's yeah, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, are, is it? Are we closer to an answer on UCF softball in the circle?
1: I think we're getting close. Uh, you know, I think you know Sarah Willis has thrown really well the last week. Pitched a shutout against Fresno in California. Gets a good win against Toledo. Pitches a one hitter against Kennesaw. Grace Jewell threw a shutout against Toledo. Now, yes, the competition not top twenty five quality. But sometimes you got to get some confidence back. And the thing I did like is they finally was, you know, not walking hitters, which has been a significant problem for this program, uh, the staff, young staff early in the year. And their whip, I mean, look at their whip for the season, even with the good weekend, they're still at 148, I believe in the whip, uh, 148, which is way too high uh, on the whip. So hopefully I think they're starting to find some answers there. Jewel is stepping up. Willis, I think is definitely stepping up. And then offensively, we've kind of let them off the hook a little bit because you mentioned those stats they kind of got back to being more diverse offensively this week and even talking to coach ball malone she said one of the problems they had is they hit so many home runs early in the year that they that, that was actually a bad thing because what happens is and you know this jeff uh, and i like the yankees so this is not a knock on the yankees uh, i think this you would agree as a yankee fan one of the problems i've had with and i've argued with our friend brian Murphy about. The Yankee teams recently of Aaron Judge and Stan, they fall in love with the home run, right? So what happens when they run into a team like the Astros and the Astros don't give up homers? They can't score runs elsewhere. They yeah. depend too much on the you, long ball.
0: You, 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 yeah, I mean, you can depend on the long ball in the regular season, but once once stuff right. gets real, yeah. you got to figure out how to manufacture runs, right. and that's and you're
1: right. right. And softball is running that. They ran into that problem where they thought they were a home run hitting team, and, and they that's why they struggled on the West Coast. They were trying to hit home runs instead of just putting the ball in play, which is really the identity of a Coach Ball Malone run Is Put the ball in play, hit gaps, put pressure on the defense, run a little small ball, mix it up. And then we saw that this weekend for the first time. So I think they're getting their identity back. I think they lost, their offense lost their identity when they hit so many homers. They thought they were a home run hitting team. They can hit the home run, but that's not who they are. And to your point, They haven't stolen many bases because they were trying to play for the long ball. Now they're getting back to that. So that's all positive. That being said, they host Rutgers obviously Tuesday and then they go to Stillwater where they will take on the number two ranked team in the country, Oklahoma state future big 12 rival uh, and Arizona state of the Pac 12. So that's going to be a test and that's going to be their final test before conference starts. So let's see where they're at, but I do think they're making a, they're moving. They're progressing. The question is, are they progressing fast enough? Cause I think the deadline is you've got to have everything ready to go for conference. Cause Wichita state's the opener series. That's a monster series that could decide the conference. That's, that's been the two best teams in the league for the last uh, two years, really going on yeah. three years. We're probably going to be, so uh, we'll see.
0: Let me ask you about these, these, these seven games coming up Rutgers, doubleheader on Tuesday. Uh, and then, Five games out in Stillwater, like you said, three against Oklahoma State, two against Arizona State. This is now the kind of competition that you're going to start seeing week in and week out in the Big 12, at least the level. Is this a fair comparison to what we're going to start seeing starting next year, given where Rutgers, Oklahoma State, and arizona state are in the college softball hierarchy oh, yeah. at least at oh, the yeah. moment
1: well i think this whole non-conference schedule is and you know because so many people have been asking me well do, do you think coach ball malone regrets did she schedule too hard with this young staff right because you mentioned the rpi and they 15 the reason their rpi is as high as it is it's not because of the schedule they've played a good schedule the problem is they haven't won those games <laughs> you right. gotta win those you gotta win some uh they're one in nine i think in in uh quad one wins God, i know people are sick of that term quad but that's you know it is what it is um I think Unfortunately, I just
0: hurt my quad anyway. There you mm-hmm. go.
1: Unfortunately, they've lost. You realize they've lost three quad one games on walk-offs? Think about that. Think about wow. this. If they win those three games, that now, sounds like I'm,
0: men's basketball losing games on buzzer beers.
1: Well, you laugh, but softball's had kind of a similar season of men's basketball as far as losing close games. They've lost five games this year via the walk-off. To put that in perspective, from 2019 to 2022, they only lost two games via the walk-off. Think about that's and those are those are
0: non-run rule walk-offs right
1: non-run rules correct in fact i looked over i uh, over all the years i've been to we've never lost this many games on a walk-off in a year let alone first month or two so they've been a little unlucky uh but some of that is because of the young pitching and the walks that we've talked about but no i don't think they regret uh the the scheduling the way they did because first of all they could still with if they finish strong and do well in conference i think they'll be in the tournament I think the hosting thing is probably out the window at this point, unless they were to sweep Oklahoma State and get really hot. But I think the other reason why I don't re- i don't think they regret it is, and Coach Bob Malone said this, you got to get used to this in Power 5 world now. This is what it's like, is playing tough teams every week. It's, yeah, a, it's a grind. And it's a so grind, man. I, I think these players, because there's a lot of them will be back for next year, they'll be used to this by the time they get into the Big 12. And I think she likes the fact they're going to Stillwater this year because of that. Because they're going to play Oklahoma State three games next year anyway. They're playing them three times this time. So what? We're going to play them next year. We better get used to it. So I think she likes this, not just for this year, but moving forward.
2: Okay. Eric, is there a Ken Palm of softball that we should consult? <laughs>
1: uh, I think Sagarin is
0: pretty much it, though.
1: Well, Sagarin does some of those stuff. I mean, I give Ken Palm credit. He goes very in-depth as far as the stat that Kevin Brown gave us from ESPN, that UCF men's basketball is the fourth unluckiest team in the country. Which that's incredible. Think about it, there's 360 some schools. We're the fourth unluckiest. Which I'm happy that Ken Palm does that because it kind of backs up our point. Because when we say that, you know, some people might say, "Oh, you're just making excuses. You're
0: being no, no, it's a fact. This Ben's basketball it's, has been unlucky. It is. It is a fact. But it's almost you know, with them, it was almost like. I don't need some sort of t- statistic to tell me that. You know, I mean, I right. saw, we saw the games, but no, we saw so how unlucky they were in close right. games this year. So
1: softball doesn't have that in depth, but having five, I mean, my own, I guess I am Ken Palm, five mm-hmm. walk off losses. Ah, you switch that, we're having a completely different conversation. It's an enormous amount of walk. If you flip half
0: of them, or you flip that's like all. two that's of them, that's all I'm saying. Right. Two, three,
1: we're having a totally different conversation. All right. That's
2: awful
0: uh what's the tv schedule you got both the Rutgers games got ESPN plus
1: Rutgers Tuesday with uh, Jamie Price, and then I want to say Oklahoma State will put their games against UCF on ESPN plus I don't think they are for Arizona State so we may have to do the tracker for that
0: one. Pac-12 oh, well. what are they going to do put it on hey, hey hey think about it
1: you laugh but think about this Oklahoma State Arizona State could be two future Big 12 conference series depending on how real next few months go in the Pac-12 right uh-
0: hey hey Never know. This could that's be the those, future. That's one of those conversations we got to hold on to until June the 30th. Right? I'm
1: just saying this could be the f- future big 12 weekend,
0: right? Now. All right. All right. Uh, let's get, let's get, uh, Bryson in here. I almost said Dyson to clean things up Bryson to clean things up here about, uh, UCF baseball, um, snake bit for the second straight, uh, uh, weekend in terms of, getting the win on Friday and then losing the Saturday and Sunday games. And for the second consecutive week, UCF had a game where they gave up double digit runs in the first inning. They did that in the Saturday game against Troy. After the 5-3 win on Friday, they lost 12-3 and then 5-4. And and on uh, what one, well, at least I saw, it was an extremely controversial call, I think, to say the least, that gave Troy... It's uh, it's winning margin, but um, uh, we did see some history with Ben McCabe hitting his 40th career home run. And just to give everybody an idea of what UCF is doing right now, Eric, you talked about relying on the long ball too much. Well, UCF baseball has been relying on the long ball quite a bit in this early stage. They're ten and five right now, by the way, overall, and they're fifth in the country in home runs per game at two point three three. Uh, and 18th in the nation in slugging percentage. But uh, Bryson, this we've talked about the story of this week. They have two games coming up against Florida State and a three-game set against Dartmouth at home. Um, where are they right now? And aside from the obvious, which is not giving up 10 runs or more in the first inning, what do they need to fix?
2: Well, I'll tell you this. You, you may laugh when I say this, but I think overall, the pitching this year was actually better than last week, and this is why. So you know that. So all in, right, all right.
0: Let's let's book. hear this. Let's hear this hot take. Go.
3: Okay.
2: So in the game that we gave up ten runs in, we had Chase Santala starting on the mound. That is not the same pitcher that gave up that that gave up ten runs last time. That was last time that was Ben that Ben, ben Vesvi, Dom Stagliano. domstagliano So this is a, a completely different pitcher now does this now does this mean that we got to make sure that every pitcher gets this yes but i want want to look at the, the improvements of Rudy Gomez and Cameron Lighter because both of their pitching performances th- this season were very much in pr- better over last time, Rudy Gomez got career highs in, inning, in innings pitched and stri- and strikeouts. Very well done on his part in Friday's win. And then Cameron Lighter went four innings and allowed five hits, three runs, th- three runs, three walks, seven strikeouts. L- little bit of a walking stern still on my part for him, but a much better performance than last week where he only went one point two innings and gave up six runs on six hits. So Lighter, so. As far as as from last week to this week, I actually think the pitching is a little bit better because, light, of course, lighter has improved. We saw Nick Vieira get career highs in in relief. Although Greg Lovelady mentioned that pitching while you're down 10 0 is a lot easier than when the game is closer. So maybe <laughs> yeah. we that would help. Najer Victor, by the way, came in relief, actually had a pretty solid game. Pitched three innings, only allowed one run and uh, only allowed one hit. And two unearned runs. Those two, those runs you talked about were unearned. You can't really blame Najer blame naja Victor for that. So Victor had a really good, re- relief performance. And Kyle Kramer came in twice and did really well, picking up the save in that first win. So I would, so the I think the pitching is improving. I just, we just need to make sure that Chase Santala, Ben Vespi, Dom Stagliano, I think one of these guys just needs to be able to get it to get get it together and fill that third rotation spot because Rudy Gomez and Cameron Lighter I think pretty much have their starting rotation spots locked down. It's all about who is going to be that third pitcher and we've and I've said this so many times pitching depth is what is going to win you big games late in the season. So, so that's something we're going to need moving forward moving forward. The defense is really what killed us as far as losing the series because in that Sunday game we had five errors five that i'm sorry that's just unacceptable ben not great bob no it is not Um, those last two runs that lost us the game on sunday and subsequently the series the the series were because of errors so i don't and then of course we couldn't we couldn't manufacture runs either only ben mccabe and john rice plumley were able to hit it out of the park the whole time so I would so I would just argue that John Rice Plumley actually said it really well, and go watch his postseason uh, post game on the Black and Gold Banner at YouTube channel. They need to play better team baseball, where the fielding, the pitching, and the offense all are able to align at once and all have a good game. Because so far we haven't really had that this season and so i think going forward that's what they're going to need to do is really try to align themselves a lot better so that way they're better they're are better performing holistically as a team and they're going to need that because florida state is another high rpi opponent
0: so uh you mentioned florida state who comes in with that early rpi of 16 um they got off to a, a 6-0 and start this year uh took two of three at tcu uh, uh, and just took two of three uh, against Pitt. Uh, to actually, they've already opened uh, ACC play uh, over this past weekend. So, these two games coming in against UCF, um, you know, Florida State, they they caused trouble on the base pass too, 12th in the country in doubles per game, at least as of right now. Uh, and they're pitching right now so far, not too bad. 4.08 team era is 39th in the country, and then you, uh, you know. And then, obviously, you have Dartmouth coming in after that. Um, Dartmouth has – they don't even play a home game until April Fool's Day, which is hilarious. But um, they – because they're a northern team, they have to do that whole southern swing thing. They played at Miami. They're playing at South Florida this week, um, at UCF, and then, you know, at Jacksonville. Um, But uh, they are 0-7 at least so far uh, on the year, UCF has three games coming up against them. Obviously, you want to dominate Dartmouth over the course of the weekend. Got to but... win a
1: weekend series, Jeff. I mean, we can, this is a, the, the, the under the, the, we're burying the lead here. They lost this weekend series after winning the Friday night game for the second weekend in a Again, row. yeah. And that's been a, you know, college baseball, they look at that much more closer than softball. That you got to win an RP, uh, a, a weekend series. Weekend series are critical. Uh, and you know what, Bryson's saying, yeah, they pitched a little better. They gave up ten runs in the first inning for the second week in a row. That Riggs was a it. Pitcher,
2: though, no, Eric. It Doesn't matter. 5-4. No, here's the problem.
1: Here's the problem. Their staff for the year ERA 5.35. Yeah, five point three five. Five point three five. One point four. You're not. You're not going to beat it. You're not going to make the tournament with a staff like that. Now, can it get better? Sure. But there's a lot of issues. Cam Leiter's got to get more control. He's walking too many guys. He only went four plus innings. Will that get better? He's a young kid. He's a freshman. Who is going to step into that role? It, it, you know, we don't know. There is no right now Colton Gordon on this staff. There is no Hunter Patterson. I mean, Greg was even outspoken in the post game. They got to figure it out. Anybody's it's fluid. He called it and described it as fluid, the pitching staff. And he's right. Yeah. He's right. That's well, got to get better because you can't depend on your offense to bear to carry you all year round. Because at some point, you know, you're going to run into good pitching, uh, and unfortunately, you got to win these weekend series if you want to make it to the NCAA. You got to win weekend series if you got to be in the mix for the conference championship and challenge East Carolina. And we, the offense is great; nobody can complain about the offense. The defense thing—that's a one—you know—that's going to happen. I, I don't—I yeah. think they've played good defense all year, but they've got to get better, consistent pitching from their starters on the weekends. That's just—it just, it's just it is what it is.
0: Yeah. That's rough, uh, and but, I can you relate. Know, you split, hey, you split with Florida State, sweep Dartmouth. Sure, we're singing a different tune this time next week, right?
1: And then well, they got Maryland after that, which is again a big test. That's a team that many believe can win the challenge for the Big Ten title. And uh, before you know it, the American Conference State starts, so they got a few weeks to figure this out. Who it is? It who's going to step into those roles? Mm. That's still the biggest question for this team.
0: All right. Um, I wanted to flip over to uh, track and field real quick, Bryson. Renaya Jones was the only UCF uh, athlete in the NCAA Indoor Track and Field Championships in the 60 meter hurdle. She didn't get to the final, but um, what's the just real quick? What's the story? You know, how did that all go down at uh, at Albuquerque this past weekend?
2: So I took watching that. They actually false started like two uh, like two times, which I was like incredulous about. Like, how do you do that that many times? But yes, Brenaya ended up ended up fin- ended up finishing twelfth overall. She was award- she was awarded second team All America status, so she is once again given All America honors again as she's going into that in her second heat. She actually uh, she ended up finishing fifth behind Masai Russell. And look, the indoor track and field championship is I would say what the toughest NCAA championship to make it into, if only because they don't have a not a lot of people. <laughs> right they don't have like a, pre- a prelim like they do in the outdoor season it's just you got to be one of the top people in the country just to get, get in the door at Albuquerque. Yeah. and ranaya was able to do that and she ended up getting still get end up getting second team all america honors because of her finish it which overall was 12th with an 8 8.16 was it her fastest time of the year no but i think ranaya has an in, in indoor Rania is still up there. But even when she was on her da- on a little bit of a down year, because remember last year she had that 7.9 time, this time around, even when she was a little down, she was still one of the best in the country. And so as she turned the page now to outdoor, we go to where we first found her. And I, I, I honestly think she's more of an outdoor runner anyway.
0: All right, so we'll keep an eye on Renaya. A uh, couple of things actually happened. I want to get this out real quick before we go to the XFL too. World Baseball Classic. We actually have two UCF Knights competing. Darnell Sweeney, you'll remember, played in the, I believe, was it the Rooney era, Eric? Yes, I believe he part so. of
1: 20, Yeah, he was part of the 2012 team that uh, was within one win away of going to the Super Regionals and winning the Coral Gables Regional.
0: Right. Uh, last played in the Majors in 2018, but he is playing for Team Great Britain in the uh, World Baseball Classic uh, and I was actually looking up his stats. He's actually having a pretty good WBC. He's four for ten at the plate, so hitting 400 so far. Uh, a couple doubles, uh, one RBI. So that's awesome to see. Uh, and then I also, uh, well, not quite as successful, but still noteworthy for Team Israel uh, is uh, Colton Gordon, uh, who uh, got the start, uh, but you know, didn't only lasted one inning. Uh, in his uh, in his lone WBC outing gave up uh four runs on four hits uh and two walks for uh team Israel in uh, in his most I forget uh I forget who that was against um uh, uh Bryson did you see who that was against I forgot but um in uh in the WBC who uh, who Colton was pitching is but anyway that's neither here nor there um kind of a bummer to see that go down but hey nonetheless you know it's pretty cool to see two former UCF players playing in the world baseball and I really like the WBC I think it's amazing television for no other reason than like I think that sports is the best and probably only place where nationalism is good uh it was against Puerto Rico thank you and you see how much it means for each of these players to complete to compete for the countries that they represent man it's it's pretty intense out there right eric it could be
1: um had i known darnell Sweeney had you know ties to great britain i would have asked him when he was a player uh good but i mean i happen happy to see colton gordon colton gordon healthy uh as well yeah. pitching there but yeah you know, it's a fun little event um i'm trying they're to catch up to
3: they're getting great oh yeah. well it's yeah, and they
1: They've picked good markets like Miami, uh, Arizona. That yeah. that's good markets for them to draw. I think it makes sense. Uh, it's a fun little added twist before the start of the MLB season. I, w- you know the only negative is there's so much stuff going on right now. I mean, yeah. we're about we're we're here in Orlando, we're about to give an NCAA tournament hosting the first couple of rounds. So uh yeah, with, you know, with March Madness going on, you got NBA kind of hitting the stretcher before the playoffs, hockey playoffs. So it doesn't get a lot of attention. But uh, I do
3: enjoy
1: free yeah. NFL, free agency. Maybe Aaron Rodgers will actually make a decision between That's this time, the, the time this decade. Maybe
0: it. not.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: it's a lot of stuff that baseball is going up. It's good to see UCF guys involved oh, in Darnell. I always yeah. like Darnell. I always like. him He was a big part of that team. And I'm ha- I like Colton as well. Uh, we definitely miss
3: Colton Gordon right now and our staff over here. We yeah. miss yeah. you, Colton. Have you guys seen what Great Britain's home run celebration is? It's kind of funny. No, they, no, uh, I, haven't I haven't seen it. it. No, I saw
1: those ugly uniforms they had
3: though. Yeah, oh, for... but yeah, they they'll give the guy like once he gets back to the dugout, they'll give him like a crown and a cape, and then they'll pull out a fixed sword and knight him.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. That hey. is it. That makes up for the uniforms that look like they were homemade and actually have punctuation like a period after yeah. Britain. Did you see that? Like, no, oh man. Anyway, uh, one thing we don't have to worry about though uh, is it. Well. <laughs> We, we can talk about the noteworthiness of uniforms another time. But, Nick Porcelli, we got to talk a little XFL because uh, you and I, once again, were at the Orlando Guardians this past week. Bummer that they are off to a bad start at 0-4. But uh, if you're a UCF fan, it was fun seeing Terrence Plummer out there this past weekend uh, against the Houston Roughnecks because he did the little pregame address to the fans, which which was really that was cool. Great. That was great. He's, he's the team cat. He's fantastic. Like, t- like Terrence, like... That's classic Terrence Plummer. And had a really good game against Houston. He's been playing well so far this year, no?
3: Yeah. uh, He had four solo tackles and three assisted tackles. Uh, Combined, he had the most out out of the entire team. So, yeah. Like, it just felt like he was all over the field that night. So, he did a good game. Yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, we've seen and you've got your XFL article coming up pretty soon here. Uh, Adrian Killen's obviously still out there uh, for the Arlington Renegades as a kick returner. Haven't seen him much doing much of anything else. But, you know, Adrian is a kick returner.
3: Yeah, he was kind of quiet in his game. He only got one. I don't know if he got hurt or something in the St. Louis game. But as for the runs, he only had like one handoff and he got zero yards. So kind of a quiet game for him this week.
0: Yeah, and then we're also also we haven't seen Rennell Hall yet, so we're hoping that he gets back from injury pretty yeah, soon. him and Jordan,
3: um, hit him and Jordan, Jordan McRae. Although you know he plays lineman, so it's kind of even when he does come back, it's kind of quiet. It's kind of hard to find stuff on him. But
0: right, right. So, but nonetheless, you know we still wait. But well, listen, something's got to give this weekend because we have the Guardians at own for four going out to Las Vegas to play the Vegas Vipers. It's, it's formally. Take. Formerly in Tampa Bay, so maybe a little, a, a, a uh, sort of second degree of war on I-4 flavor here, okay? Maybe. And something's got to give, right? I mean, you saw the tank, well, what are they really tanking for? Number one draft pick? No, they're not tanking, these guys. Come on. They're, they're at least... You know, these guys are competitors, man.
3: They're, they're you know they come yeah, out make, with come I out with a W. Fun of it, but I still enjoy watching it. Like we we've talked about this before. It's just nice to see these guys get like another chance just to play. It's guys who love football, and I like yeah. watching that.
0: Yeah, and it's fun to watch Terrence out there. He's been he's he's flying around the ball. Um, yeah. I think he had a sack. He had a few pressures. I
3: think the other night too. Uh, I don't, his stats don't say he had a sack but i remember him pressuring the quarterback a lot that yeah night, he's
0: so. he's been around in the backfield so um you know but you never know you just yeah. never know when when things might might turn for terrell buckley and the crew so hopefully they get a w this week in vegas yeah. uh oh, so we'll and win. home soon you never know yeah we need a home we need a home win in the world i know we it's gotta like get one
3: that player interview after the game and it just never. gotta happened. get what we gotta get one man so yeah. all right
0: uh, and then Bryson with a note on uh, Bogdan Pavel breaking a uh, NCAA men's t- or, or excuse me UCF men's tennis record most doubles wins in program history. So congrats to Bogdan on that um, as well. All right, we are going to wrap it up here on the Black and Gold Panorat podcast. Just a quick one for us, but we wanted to get this out because we got the NCAA's coming up. Uh, Eric, how about Duke and UVA coming to town here in Orlando? So that's going to be go. fun. Let's go! We got-, we got
1: San Diego State, College yeah. of Charleston there, which a lot of people like. Duke and Oral Roberts. You got the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns against that yeah. Tennessee. That's a good little pod we got here. Danny
0: White and Tennessee coming. Danny to White
1: town. will be in town Thursday watching the Tennessee. There and of the course, North don't North. forget Nit Wednesday night. ESPN two. Well, thank you for scheduling that on Wednesday, by the way. Nit, thank you. We did that. That works out perfectly because even if. I think if they win, I don't know what the semis would look like, but they'll probably play like Friday or Saturday, but uh, I'm glad that it does not conflict with Thursday because you and I will be in that building for, well, the whole day and night.
0: Yep. Yep. We're going to be busy. Are you <laughs> taking
1: a nap? Are you going to just sleep there? You're going to just, you got a place to. Like, no, no. I, I listen. It's
0: also my son's birthday week. So, oh. so we're going to celebrate. We got St. Patty's day. He was born. It, it, he was born. I we can't celebrate Thursday, but we're going to celebrate Friday saturday night we got the two games i'm doing i'm doing pa for all four games in the Mway center on thursday and, and both of them on saturday so it's going to be busy but it's going to be fun and hey like you said you never know hey ucf beats florida uc irvine beats oregon you might have one more home game wow. you hey, see at at, at uh, one can hope at addition at addition arena so you never know all right so thanks to everyone for uh, for watching and listening Thanks to you. If you uh, subscribe to our podcast, we thank you. Leave us a rating. If not, please subscribe. Uh, we are on wherever you get your podcasts, be it Apple or Android devices. You can follow us each individually. I'm at Jeff underscore Sharon. Eric is at Eric Lopez Elo. Bryce is at It's Bryson Turner. Nick is at Nick Porcelli in the number two. Also don't forget Andrew at Stat Boy Drew and Kyle uh, at uh, the SOTG for the student of the game. And Noah Goldberg, the Noah Goldberg as well. Don't forget... Bryson's got his nightcap up, uh, taking care of uh, golf and tennis news that you might want to keep an eye on, as well as the baseball recap from this past weekend. A little bit more detail, plenty of postgame interviews from players and coaches alike as well. You can follow us collectively at UCF Banner at underscore SBN. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Where you get all the latest Post-game interviews from UCF. Baseball, softball, you name it, we are there. at black and gold banner. For Eric, for Bryson, for Nick, I'm Jeff. Thanks for watching and thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. No, thanks for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Battery Podcast. Go Knights beat Florida!